Welcome to the Divorce Comeback Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified and trauma-informed divorce coach, professional planner, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that there are no setbacks in life, only set-ups for epic comebacks. So without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a really special show with you today. My guest is Lisa Ziderman. She is a managing partner at Miller Ziderman LLP, a matrimonial attorney, CFL, and certified divorce financial analyst. She regularly handles complex financial and custody divorce matters for high net worth individuals. So welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm so glad you're here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive in and have some great discussions. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a great chat. You, I know that for so many folks, it's hard to understand kind of the legal side of divorce, and we haven't had a lot of experts in this space. So I'm so grateful for the conversation that we're about to share. But before we start on that topic, maybe you can share a little bit about why you're so passionate about what you do and how did you even come to this work? Sure. So I actually started in the fashion business. And so this is a total pivot for me. I went through my own divorce and am remarried 25 years now. Um, But I had gone through my divorce in the 1990s. And at the time I had my own business in the fashion industry on 7th Avenue. And then I decided as I was going through my own divorce that I could really be helpful to people. And that this was work that really needed great people to assist you know, people going through their like their most stressful times, right? Their finances, their children, all of that was at play. And so I decided to go and get my bachelor's degree because I didn't have my bachelor's degree at that point and then go on to law school. And I went to Fordham Law and got my law degree. And in 2004, I had my law degree and went out. And then in 2010, well, actually 2013, launched my own practice. And it'll be 10 years now that I'm in my own practice. And we built it from four people to you know approximately 40-something people. So it, it was definitely a total pivot And I'm thrilled that I did it. And I will say to a lot of people who out there who are going through this time period when they feel that they need to make a change or perhaps they've been a stay-at-home mom or perhaps a stay-at-home dad and they need to actually get back into the workforce, that it is really possible to do this, to remake yourself. And that life is long. And sometimes you need to remake yourself many, many times. So it can be done. And um, I, I wish people would actually look at that. And there's lots of ways that we could talk about how to do that. Oh my gosh. First of all, congratulations on the pivot. And thank you for the pivot because the work that you're doing in this space is so, so critical for folks out there. And I really, really love that oftentimes our pain can turn into our purpose. That's I know that that's a huge part of my story. I also didn't expect to pivot halfway through climbing the corporate ladder and making over six figures. I thought I'd be doing that for the rest of my life because I really enjoyed it. But when life comes and shows you something different, you have the opportunity to go, what is this? Why is this here? What is this here to show me? What am I supposed to do with all of this? And I, I really, really love that you shared that part of your story as well, that the pivot is such a possibility, provides a possibility for us. And I love that you use the word remake yourself. What does that mean for you, remake yourself? Because I use the word comeback a lot. 
what does uh, remake yourself mean? And what are some ways that, um, that you, that you encourage people to do that? So, you know, I think that I, I loved the fashion business. I thought it was really fun and exciting. And I traveled all across the country and I worked with great designers and it, and, and it was usually exciting, but I did really remake myself because not having had any degree, any college degree at the time, I had to go back and get myself into a uh, educational type of environment. And I had a daughter at that time, also a young daughter. So I would be studying and, um, and, and of course, you know, she wanted my attention, but, um, we, we soon learned how to deal with that. And it was really a remake, you know, fashion industry to attorney. There are some similarities, believe it or not. I mean, a lot of, um, the negotiations that took place in the fashion business, I bring to the negotiation table in terms of being able to, um, advocate for clients. And so that certainly was a, um, a transition that worked, but being in the fashion industry and being an attorney are very different things. <laughs> and so, um, and being a divorce attorney is certainly different than, you know, even being a trust and estates attorney or um, a corporate attorney. And so it was a remake in a lot of different ways. Um, I was no longer that's this person who worked on Seventh Avenue and um, and and traveled to trade shows and to do all those things, right? And um, instead, I was helping people go through what was really the most stressful part of their lives, as opposed to figuring out what they were going to be wearing and what what designer clothes would be the best designer clothes to be selling and negotiating markdown money and um, negotiating floor space for my vendors and all of those kinds of things. So it, it was a total remake. And I, I see women who really do need to remake themselves, um, men as well, but we see it mostly, frankly, for women um, who have been perhaps stay-at-home moms or um, in careers maybe that were part-time or they weren't as concerned with earning um, you know, a, a living that would be supportive of themselves and their children. And now they have to decide how they're going to, to some degree, support themselves because Unfortunately, you know, the court system isn't really very kind in terms of spousal support. And when I say the court system, the laws that are statutory, there are, you know, you could be married for a very long time and all of a sudden you're not getting that spousal support that you thought you were going to be getting. And so it's very important that um, people start to think as they're going through the divorce of what are they going to do on the other side. Now, I am going to say something that's probably not going to be that popular, but I woke up this morning and I was thinking about it. And so I'm going to say it, which is that I think for many people, women in particular, they need to think um, about what they are doing when they are actually giving up a career in the longer run. And the reason is that they're going to be in a situation if they do get divorced or if maybe their spouse even dies, right? Um, at, in a situation where they cannot necessarily support themselves in the lifestyle that they've been become accustomed to, or even in a lifestyle that they would find satisfactory because they will have given up the earning power that they have, that they could have actually obtained during all of those years that they were stay-at-home parents or, um, you know, supportive of their spouse. And for those people, they should be thinking about either how they're going to build their career during the marriage or 
how they're going to make sure that they have a prenup or a postnuptial agreement in place so that they are fully protected if they are taking on this role. And if this is a role that everybody agrees that they should take on, meaning both 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 parties, right, um, are agreeing, hey, you know, I would like to have a stay-at-home parent and I would like to have a stay-at-home spouse because this is great for the family. Well, then, you know, on the other side of this, what's going to be my payment at the end of the day for doing this? Because what is not going to happen is you will not have that time to climb that corporate ladder that you were talking about earlier. Right. Ooh, I'm really glad that you got the ping this morning to talk about this because it's not really talked about that much of how to decide what that looks like and when to decide what that looks like. I mean, even prior to divorce, what is, you know, because none of us are planning for divorce. Most of us are not going into marriage going, wow, well, I'll just get ready for the day when things just fall apart and I can't handle it anymore. It's, you know, it's not like that. So, you know, uh, what are some of the things that you did during what I'll call kind of like this identity shift of like, I'm not, I'm not living, walking that lifestyle anymore. And I know we're going totally off topic here, but I'm loving this conversation. What do you do? What did you do during that identity shift to remake yourself? Well, I I went back to school, right? And, And that is a very big choice that people have to make. So they, I think that for many of my clients, they need to go back and retrain, right? Mm. So whether they're going to take the time and and go back to school for some sort of a degree, and whether they're going to work, for example, with a vocational um, analyst who can help them make some decisions about what that will look like, what kind of earnings they will have from that career, whether it will be beneficial to do that, whether they need to get into some sort of a training program where they are able to train and move up a ladder quickly. Um, that is is really what it looks like. And they need to start to think about it, whether they even get out into the workforce and volunteer in some yes. way so that they can start to make connections and networking and um, and you know now we have social media and remaking their resume. And you know when I got my first job, I was in law school and um, and I you know I wrote of course to this lawyer who was a single she was a solo practitioner in matrimonial law and um, and I said I want to work part time as an intern etc. Right and um, and of course I didn't hear from her and then I called her and I called her and I called her and I called her and finally I got the job. Okay. Yes. And she and yes. Always, right. And so it, now I did have my, you know, in my arsenal, I, I was a salesperson at heart, right? Because I, I was on Seventh Avenue. Yeah. So I dealing with retailers and dealing with manufacturers so I could do that. But I think that that's a skill set that people have to learn. They have to learn to ask. And so that's part of remaking yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that what I hear you saying is really invest in yourself, right? Invest possibly your, some of your cash. Sometimes that it's necessary to gain a skill set or an interest set. Invest in yourself, invest your time, invest your energy, invest, possibly invest some cash, or like you said, even volunteering so that you can get in that network, get in a new community, foster opportunities, right? Invest in yourself and foster set up, set yourself up for new opportunities. And I think this is a really important point because when we do that, we find more purpose and more meaning in our lives. And it's uh, the one of the seven, it's, there's this book called The Seventh Stage of Grief. And the six stages are talked about a lot. 
But the seventh stage that this man argues, not argues, but shares, is that meaning is the seventh stage of grief. When you can move and process your pain and then pop out in a different spot and go, what am I going to do with all this now? And I'm going to harness my energy in the direction of creating meaning and purpose for myself, right? In whatever way that opportunity shows up. But if we don't put ourselves in the spaces and places to make things different, then we, we're not going to see the change happening. And I think that your phrase, invest in yourself, is so important because it is about investing in yourself. You know, you can invest in yourself in various ways, right? But I think what a lot of women particularly do is they invest in their family, right? They invest in raising their children. They invest in supporting their spouse. And what they don't do is they don't invest in themselves. And so the children are grown. The spouse is no longer going to be the spouse. And now they are left with perhaps, you know, 50% or so of the assets that have been accumulated during the marriage. But the other spouse is left with all this earning power, right? And that's what they don't have is the earning power, right? Because that spouse has moved up from that job, you know, incrementally over the years, been promoted, et cetera, right? And the person who was staying at home investing in the family did not have that. Now, I get that there's a lot of emotional feelings about this. And, and what I'm saying to many women is very unpopular, right? Because it is very important to them to raise their children and to stay home and to, you know, be supportive. But if you're going to do that, there's ways to do that, right? There is ways to have a conversation and and you need to have that conversation about financially what is at the end of the road if something happens. And I go back to the prenup and the postnuptial agreement because there are ways to actually contract for this. And it's it's not a dirty word, frankly. Yeah, yeah. It is it, it just makes smart sense for everybody to come to the table and to have that conversation because I promise you at the end the conversation is very different. It is something like, well, I stayed home to support everybody. And the other person is saying, no, I told her to go back to work. And I wanted her to go back to work and she refused to go back to work. And it's funny how the conversation changes or the remembering of how things panned out changes when you are emotionally activated through a very difficult situation, right? And when you have a lot at stake, especially financially, it's such a huge part of the process. Where, why do you think, where does that stigma come from of prenup, postnup? Because I know that as I was growing up and even going through, it's not something that I didn't do because it was almost like saying, well, I don't trust you. That's kind of the stigma behind it. Like, where does this come from? Why do we, why do we see it like this? Well, I think most people don't understand that marriage is a financial partnership. First and foremost, that's what it is, right? Because you could all live together and not get married. Right. And, and then there would be no financial partnership. The fact is, this is now actually guided by a law. You are married under the law. Okay. And you will get divorced under the law. And so to think that there's no ramifications for getting married, essentially, and, um, that there is no partnership being formed, it it doesn't make sense. Right. You are, you have now contracted to get married and now you have to figure out what are the rules of the road in terms of the contract. And I think that there is a stigma because people, look, 
marriage is extremely romantic. It's a romantic time. I just renewed my vows with my husband after 25 years. It was extremely romantic, right? It was great. So, um, but I think that people are hesitant to have that conversation before they get married and even hesitant to have it during their marriage. And I think that's the problem is that they're not constantly having that conversation about money. And Mm. it's not something that they should all of a sudden be having. It's something that should be developing over time. It's a constant conversation. So in my, in my world, in my family, that is a constant conversation, right? Mm. In lots of families, it is not a constant conversation. They may never, never have that conversation. And then they wake up one day and somebody wants to be out of this marriage and wow, it's like, you know, this ton of bricks has fallen on somebody's head, right? And they are just stunned by it and taken aback. And they could have had this conversation. They could have been having this discussion. It it shouldn't be a stigma. It should be something that is part of their, their life. It should be very natural, the same way that they're talking about raising their kids or talking about buying a home or any of those other things, right? They should talk about What's going to happen if, how are we going to make sure that I'm taken care of if I'm staying home and raising kids and you're out earning? How, how am I protecting myself? And if you can't protect yourself, then you're also not going to be able to protect the very same people that you're trying to stay home and take care of, which is your children, right? And it's, it's a lesson that has to be learned. And so I think you're right. There is a stigma to it, but there shouldn't be. There should not be a stigma to it. That's a really, really good way to put it. Everything that you just said, that constant conversation rather than making it a taboo topic, because I feel like a lot of times it just becomes this taboo topic and we think, I'm not going to talk about it. We're just going to kind of figure it out as we go and watch how each other spends and just kind of do what there's just like so much people pleasing, pleasing that wraps itself around the financial and money conversation. But something really sticks out, out to me when you said marriage is a financial partnership because it's really interesting. I I think a lot of people go into matrimony thinking this is going to lock it in, right? This means they're they're mine. They're going to be mine forever. We're going to be faithful to each other. And we choose faithful over financial. And we turn up, or or maybe we don't choose it over, but we turn a blind eye to the financial and just focus horse blinders on faithfulness. Right. And then all of a sudden we're caught off guard when there's things like infidelity or just a change in heart or name it, name it, whatever you want to name it. Every divorce is different. Um, but really it's such so smart to be setting yourself up from the get go, especially when you have other people attached to all of your assets and things like that, not just the two of you. Exactly. And by the way, you wouldn't go into a business relationship without having these discussions, right? So you're you're now doing something much more intimate with somebody and you're essentially you know tying up your life with this person you need to have something that is going to protect you at the other end and it's it's time for for women to start asserting themselves about these topics it's time for them to have these discussions it's it this is not um something that that we can afford not to be discussing on a regular basis this is really, really important, especially because I would say 90% of the women that I work with in my coaching practice are dealing with issues of infidelity. So like I said before, we're not expecting divorce, but we're especially not expecting divorce in the in the way of infidelity. So if you don't protect yourself from the start and your partner does decide to make a different decision outside of your uh, cohesive decision, right? Because sometimes divorce is like, well, 
We're both, we both decided that this is not for me, for us anymore. But when it's one-sided due to infidelity and there's nothing to protect you from it, you know, you just, you can't anticipate. And why would you, those things coming up? So getting ahead, thinking in advance is so, so important. Okay. It's time for a 10 second break to tell you about something great. Did you know that there's a community of divorced women who meet up virtually on a weekly basis and heal through divorce together? That's right. Our 12-week comeback community and group coaching experience provides the roadmap, the resources, and the relationships needed to navigate your new normal, create your comeback, and thrive after divorce. Take it from me. When you've got a plan and a partner in place, you'll be moving forward faster in no time. Visit divorcecomebackcoach.com and book your free clarity call with me, Heidi B, today and see if it's a fit. All right, let's get back to the show. I want to shift gears a little bit because I don't want to miss all the, the even more juicy facts around these this next topic. But, you know, I didn't know how to find a lawyer when I went through divorce. And I was scared about how much it was going to cost and so many other unknown and unfamiliar things. So I toyed with the idea of like maybe Googling divorce lawyers in California. And then the universe literally dropped one at my doorstep. I mean, I made friends with my neighbors in the new place that I was living. And um, it was basically like my fairy god lawyer was delivered to me. And <laughs> uh, But it, that being said, in hindsight... Maybe there would have been a better option for me if I had actually gone about it in a different way and not just kind of went, oh, you know, I guess this person's willing to help me because I was scared and confused and overwhelmed. So I went with the first thing that landed in my lap. So let's talk a little bit about you're an expert in this area. Walk us through the process. Help us better prepare to make a good match through the paperwork process and the legalities of divorce. How to find the best fit for you is what I kind of want to transition to. Where do I start? Where What do I look for? So there's a couple of places you can start. Obviously, friends who have gone through divorces, that's certainly a place to, to go to. Yeah. They have had their experiences. Maybe some of them have had more than one divorce attorney. Maybe some of them have had very good experiences or bad experiences. You can learn from those experiences. You have to keep in mind when you're doing this, of course, that your 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 situation is not necessarily the same as their situation, right? Yes. So you have to main, make sure that you understand. You will never know what their situation is because they will never have told you exactly what their situation is. They will tell you their version of their situation, but there's two versions to that situation. Yes. And maybe there's the, also the truth. So that's that's really important to, to understand. Another place that I think is a great resource is your therapist. So your therapist knows you very intimately. You talk to your therapist all the time. Um, they know a lot about your personality. They probably have other clients who have gone through divorce. Yep. And so they may actually have a whole arsenal full of divorce attorneys that they know and can recommend. And so that's another resources. Um, financial advisors. Yes. Another great place to go because they probably are dealing with divorce attorneys all the time in terms of, of dividing assets, in terms of um, figuring out the plan for the future. They know who are the, the very good at divorce attorneys and who are divorce attorneys who actually can speak to the financial issues as well as the custodial issues. So those are three great places to go. And of course, there's social media, right? So 
after you find your, your divorce attorney, you can go onto the LinkedIn and see perhaps, you know, I do a lot of publishing and yeah. I write a lot and I'm on a lot of podcasts. All of those go into my social media and they go onto my website. So you should check those things out and see, is this person a fit for you? Do they have the point of view that actually works with what you are thinking about? Um, you need somebody who's going, you're going to really get along with who they may not think exactly like you. They may challenge you but you want somebody who you think is going to have your back. Mm, that's really, really important. And I love what you said about checking out all of the different res- uh, pages and things like that. If nothing else, so that you can get the voice of the person, the tone of the person, maybe even exactly. extract a little bit of their values and 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 ways that they go about doing it. So such great advice there. Is there anything that we can prepare for in advance? So Yes. If you believe that, um, well, I'm going to start here. You don't. You should not be planning a year in advance or six months in advance, right? You right. should be immersed in your finances so that this is not something that we're doing at the last moment here. But let's figure that that didn't happen, okay? Let's let's imagine that that did not happen. That for the last 15 to 25 years, or the last three years, or however long you're married, you just didn't pay attention to your finances, okay? Yes. And and you didn't look at those tax returns when you were asked to sign them or told to sign them or it was demanded on, upon you that you sign them. Um, you don't look at the bank statements. You don't look at the credit card statements. You just never looked at anything. You need to start to gather what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Years ago, I had a client and I always think about her. She was great at gathering breadcrumbs, essentially. And so she would give me these little pieces of paper, right, that she had gathered over the years. And in those pieces of paper was, you know, five or $7 million worth of assets that we were able to locate because she had these little bits of pieces of paper that she had gathered over the years. And her husband was next to impossible in terms of of providing those those documents. So it was great that we had them. And then we had the ability to subpoena the documents, et cetera, and and find where the money was for the most part. We probably never found everything, but we found a lot. So you should be gathering tax returns. So last three to five years of tax returns, great place to start because that will also on one of the schedules list all of the accounts that actually have investment um, experience. So right, dividends, distributions that will be on the actual tax return. It's a good place to start. The last three to five years of credit card statements, also important bank statements, investment account statements, brokerage account statements, retirement account statements. All of these are things to gather. Of course, I'm going to say this again. You should have been looking at all this documentation all the way through, right? So that this is not a shocker now that we're at this point. But if you didn't look at it, okay, it's not too late to get it. It's Mm. it's never too late to get it. So you can actually gather all these documents up to the best that you can, whatever you can find, make copies, get them out of your home, okay, the copies, put them in a safe place, and then you'll be able to go to your attorney and actually bring this information. This is so important. And I'm going to say something just to normalize where some folks, some of the listeners might be. I was the woman who had no clue what was going on in our finances. I didn't learn what big of a deal that was until I went through divorce and didn't know how to do any of my finances, any of my taxes. Two years after divorce, found secret credit cards and things that I was still paying on, Lisa. I was still paying on them because I wasn't paying 
attention, right? So if I had even been somewhat immersed in things like even, even, you know, we, we, we both had our separate jobs, my 401k, you just like sign up for whatever it is at the beginning of the year or wherever your job is. And you just kind of let it ride. And, and you don't, and you can actually get support in that on a regular basis at your job or on your own or with your financial planners as you should, which I do now, but I had to learn the hard way. And I love having podcasts with experts like you, because I think it's really important that people realize that they can be self-empowered now and start looking for all those important things. So if you're not immersed yet, just take the first step, um, even especially, especially not even if, especially if you're not divorced and not planning on getting divorced, because we have several people who listen, not several people, but lots of people who listen um, just for all the golden nuggets that come in on a regular basis. Get yourself into those things now. Uh, my partner has what he calls the red folder. And it's in case he passes away and all those things are in there with all the things. But what what I have is a folder up for my own knowing. Where am I at with all of my stuff? And you know, that's his process too. But especially if you're married, make sure that on a quarterly or annual, at least an annual basis, you come together as a couple and you figure out what all those documents are. And like you said, I love that you said, make a copy and put it somewhere for you. For you, um, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the other thing that I'm going to suggest is that for people who have trouble speaking about these financial issues, maybe those are the people who should be seeing a financial advisor with their spouse so yeah. that these topics start to come up and you can start to feel more comfortable speaking about them. Right. That's a really good, a third party and and just an expert on your side, right? At the end of the day, exactly. an expert on your side that's advocating for both of you and your finances and and your wealth, your overall wealth and well-being. So that's great. Um, what are the types of things that people should look for when they're trying to find the right fit of a lawyer? So they should look for someone who they feel is being honest with them, not someone who is telling them what they want to necessarily hear right? A lot of people come to us and and they wish I said something very different from what I said. And so they, they really need to understand what the law is. They need to make sure that their attorney understands what the law is and that they feel that their attorney is being realistic and honest about it. Um, you do not want to go to somebody just because they're selling you a bill of goods. That is not a good idea. You want to go to somebody so that they can take you all the way through and have a plan and a strategy and also an end game. And it look, nobody can predict. I always say I don't have that crystal ball. It, it it's it's black when I look at it. And so um there's no way to to predict what's going to happen because you also have um you have the other attorney, you have your spouse, you may have a judge who you certainly cannot predict, you know, what what's going to necessarily happen. But there are some um I would say there are some targets here that you should be able to look at and um, you should be able to, there's a percentage of, of where you should be able to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important. The other thing that people also don't or aren't aware of is the notion of separate property. Mm-hmm. And so in New York, and I think uh, in a lot of States, California actually is, is community property. Right. But in New York, for example, we have um, equitable distribution. And one of the things that is taken into consideration is separate property. And so if you're coming in with premarital assets, 
Um, if this is a second marriage for you, for example, you want to make sure that you are protecting those assets. You want to make sure that they are accounted for and that you don't actually do what is called commingling those assets, mixing them with other assets, marital assets, et cetera. And so I'm going to go back to the prenup, right, for the, for that particular purpose or the postnup for that particular purpose. It, it's it's smart to do that. Mm, so good. So good. When I'm trying to vet different options for myself. Is there a certain amount of time that I should look or a certain amount of people that maybe I should talk to before I decide? And what kinds of things should I ask? So you want to certainly ask what experience the person has. Um, Is the person um, knowledgeable about the court system that they're going to be in? Do they actually have Um, experience in that court system? Do they know the other lawyers who they're going to be perhaps negotiating against? Um, What is their, what is going to be their strategy in terms of your case? What are the steps that they're going to take in other words? So I pretty much, when I do a consultation and I do an hour consultation and I pretty much lay out what my strategy is going to be. And, Mm -hmm. and by the way, probably where they're going to end up at the end, you know, within a certain percentage, right? So it's important to have that particular conversation. So you're you're going to ask experience level. You're going to certainly ask who is going to be working on your case. So I usually have one other person, um, another attorney working with me because that's going to save the client, frankly, a lot of money. Um, mm. Everything doesn't need to be done at my billable rate. Some things can be done at a lower billable rate. Do they have a paralegal? Do they have paralegals? Do, are they staffed well enough to manage your case? You want to make sure that they are staffed well enough. Um, There's, I personally think that there's a huge um, benefit to people coming to a firm like mine because my firm has the ability to staff a case. And so if there's a motion that comes in or there's sudden emergency, there's somebody else, if I'm not available for some reason, I'm on trial or I'm in another negotiation or I'm doing something else. There, there are other people who will also know your case. You have a team. And I think it's very important to have that team. So that 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 is something that you should know. And of course, you want to look at the retainer. You want to go through the retainer. You want to be able to ask any questions. You want to figure out how you reach your attorney in an emergency. You know, I give my cell phone out regularly. Um, is your attorney going to do that? Are you going to be able to text the attorney when there's a, a sudden urgent emergency? And that's very important in a matrimonial um, situation because, as we talked about, most stressful time, right? Custody and your finances can't be more stressful than than dealing with your kids and your money. Yeah. And all of a sudden, something goes wrong or um, there's some sort of abuse going on. Can you get hold of your attorney? Well, everybody knows they can text me, right? They if that if there's an emergency, they can text. It needs to be an emergency, but they can text, right? Or they yeah. can pick up a phone call, and so. All of those are important. What what experience do they have in terms of settlement? What experience do they have going to court? What experience do they have in doing a trial? Because yeah. some, your case may not settle. You want it to settle. I get it. But it may not settle. And so you need somebody who can take it all the way. So those are all questions that that I think are important that people ask. Those are great questions to ask. You know, I also think it's really important you know, you have several different pieces of the puzzle under your branch of of work. And not all lawyers have 
those pieces and that kind of insight. And so you have to build up and pull from multiple streams and search for multiple things to fit it all in. Whereas uh, if you ask the right questions, you might be able to find someone like yourself that has a lot of that already built into your portfolio. The other thing that you want to make sure is that the person has um, a collaborative team that they work with. So outside of the firm, do they work with forensic accountants? Do they work with therapists? Do they work with um, accounting firms? Do they have a computer expert? Um, there are so many things that um, occur during a divorce. And do they have those people in their world to pick up the phone and to get you help with, right? That That is also really important. We work very much as a team. And very often, we need computer forensic people to deal with something, or we need a financial um, forensic who can value a business or value, you know, give us an income stream analysis to figure out what is the true income, particularly if there are businesses that are involved, particularly there could be expenses that are being paid through businesses that maybe shouldn't be paid through businesses. How is that dealt with? All of those kinds of things. So really important. Mm, I have a couple more hot button questions. Sure. The first one is, what are the red flags? If I'm in a, if I have a consultation with somebody, are there any red flags that would kind of signal, oh, oh this might not be your go-to person? Well, look, if you've done some research and you're hearing something that is very different, but it sounds great, okay, <laughs> that could be a red flag. All right, so uh, I I would say that that's a red flag. If if you are hearing everything that you want to hear. And you know that that's not really what's going to happen because maybe you've done some research or you've spoken to other people or you've met other attorneys. Don't go with that person because that that's probably not going to be what happens at the end of the day. You just may spend a lot of money and be in shock. And that's not really what you're looking for. So that's certainly a red flag. I would say also, if there is no staff, that's a red flag because- yeah. There is no question that when you have an important matter, you want to make sure there is a team. And if there's no team, then what happens if this person is out sick one day or on vacation or um, has another court conference or any of those things? Yeah. So yeah. that that's a red flag. If their um, retainer agreement doesn't um, specify rates and they aren't explaining how the billing procedure is um, going to to occur. That's also important. If they are the least expensive retainer in the town, that's a red flag. I was just going to ask you about what should I expect financially? You know, should I? And I love that you pointed out red flag. And maybe that comes back to doing your research because it does depend on location too, right? Location, amount of resources, where you're, how you're connected, what you can promise, what you can de- not just promise, but what you can deliver on. All those types of things come into play. And I know everyone's pricing is probably all all kind of different, but like, what should somebody expect? A thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, you know, like, what do we expect going into this situation? So, you know, it definitely depends on the region that you're in. Yeah. And even in New York state, it depends on what region you're in. Yeah. But I would say that you need to understand that if you have a custodial situation, a custody case, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. 
And there's just no two ways about it. It can't, if, if it is a contested custodial situation, it's going to be expensive and you should be prepared for that because this person has to know everything about you and your children, right? And that takes an enormous amount of time. By the time, you know, I, I'm immersed in a case, I know more about this person's children than I do my own. I literally yeah. can tell you what day their their kids play soccer or what their therapist's name is or how they're doing in school, what their report card looks like. I mean, there is nothing that, what their favorite book is, their favorite song is, what their schedule for the day is. Yeah. And you don't learn those bits and pieces for free. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. happen. It, it's so, definitely that investment is the most valuable asset that you have. So you have to take your time with it. You have to get it right and make sure that everybody's everybody's covered all the bases. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my last hot question is, is it a good idea to share a divorce lawyer? No, that's like an absolute cannot do. So in New York, you really need to have your own attorney. Sometimes people get mediators and then they get review attorneys I often review agreements, you know, when somebody goes to mediation and I'll review their agreement, but you need your own person. You need your own advocate. That would be a red flag, by the way, somebody who actually is going to be advocating for both people. That's like an impossibility. Mediation, keep in mind, is different than having attorneys. And so in mediation, you have one person, but you still might have your own attorney to be able to advocate for you or help you, guide you, et cetera. So no, that's a red flag. Yeah, red flag. Don't try to save money and just get one person in the middle of all the mess. Like get your own representation and get your get your own back covered, basically. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Lisa, this goes beyond what I could have ever hoped for in a conversation with an expert. I love how we opened things up in the beginning and how you really took us through so many of the pivotal uh, key questions. Um I know that people are going to want to get in contact with you and take advantage of all that you have to offer. So where can people get more of you in their life? So they can go to my website. I have a blog actually, and it it gives a lot of information. It's Lisa Ziderman, L-I-S-A-Z-E-I-G-E-R-M-A-N.com. And there's lots of information and articles. Um, They could go to my LinkedIn um, under my name. They can also um, email me at lz at mzw-law.com, or they can call and set up a consult at 914-455-1000. So those are all perfect ways to get in touch. And the other thing that I, and you and I had discussed this before, I would love to be able to give your listeners information on an organization that is very helpful where they actually are, it's free of charge. It's a helpline. It's known as SavvyLadies.org. And they can be paired with a financial um, advisor, financial professional who will answer financial questions for free. And some of those questions may be related to their, you know, to pending divorces or, you know, questions about how to get prepared, et cetera. There's a lot of CDFAs who volunteer for the organization. And so that's another place for them to go. Amazing. Wow. That is a beautiful, beautiful resource and one that I didn't know about. We'll make sure that we put all of Lisa's information and Savvy Lady's information in the show notes so people can get 
attached to it. And you guys, I also checked out Lisa online and she has a divorce finance checklist that you can find on her website as well. So go take advantage of these uh, freebies and get your consult set up because she is going to change change your life. All right. So I have two closing questions. I ask all my guests, guests. And the first one is Lisa, what is one thing that you love about you? One thing that I love about me, I would say it's energy level. I I think I have a very high energy level. And um, I would say that you cannot wear me down. That's, (laughs) that, that is probably the best thing about me is you cannot wear me down. I love that. I love that so much. And then the last question is, what does joy feel like in your body? It feels like exhilaration. It feels like the light and the sun. And I would say that's what it feels like. Yeah. Exhilaration. Yeah. That's so good. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time and your energy and your expertise. I am just so grateful for our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And to everybody else listening, make sure that you remember you are safe, you are loved, you are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright, and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting over on Instagram at Divorce Comeback Coach or go to divorcecomebackcoach.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to see if our comeback community and group coaching experience is for you. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are safe, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.